Welcome back to another quick hit episode of Pro Football Network's premier fantasy football podcast. I'm your host, BJ Riddell. It is Friday, April 29th, 2022. Uh, we're coming off the uh, first night of the NFL draft, uh, first round, two major trades. I want to talk about the fantasy implications, potentially, of the four teams involved in those two big trades, starting with Marquise Brown. Uh, and uh, the impact of him going to the Cardinals and what that leaves Baltimore. Um, I've been concerned about Marquise Brown's uh, ceiling uh, since his rookie year. Uh, I viewed him as essentially a WR3. He has breakout potential, but I don't think there's the consistency that we'd like to see in a true number one, and I don't think there's the consistency we want to see in a true um, weekly starter in fantasy. Maybe that's not fair. Maybe three seasons or so uh, is not enough of a track record to judge. Um, but I was very, very blunt uh, last summer uh, going into the early fall when uh, the Ravens drafted Rashad Bateman. And it was clear that Bateman is going to play some kind of role um, right out of the gate because the Ravens were desperate for receiver help. Uh, and Bateman could not start the season. But once he got going, my belief was that Bateman would rival Brown atop the depth chart. Uh, I did not see Brown as uh, a sustainable fantasy asset with Bateman on the field. Um, the fact is, as we've learned, the uh, uh, latest reports are that uh, Brown wanted out of Baltimore. He made that clear in the offseason. Lamar Jackson threw a tweet, allegedly uh, – uh, made it clear that he did not know that was what Brown wanted to do. Um, the Ravens are going to be left with a big hole. Uh, I think uh, that if you're in a dynasty league and you can pick up players right now, if for some reason Will Fuller is available, grab Will Fuller if you can afford to. Um, maybe Julio Jones is an odd, but uh, maybe not that odd reclamation project that the Ravens could take on. Any team that takes on Sammy Watkins and barely uses him uh, certainly could take on Julio Jones. Uh, the Ravens do need a number two. Whoever is that number two going into the season uh, will have some value. Um, let's be candid. There's not many teams out there that don't have a true number two wide out who can step in and get, let's say, 800 yards uh, and six touchdowns without batting an eye. Um, the Ravens are desperate. And I think Will Fuller, this is the moment when, I mean, he's one of the few good, if not very good, receivers left on uh, in free agency the knock on will fuller is he can't stay healthy and uh it's not a fair knock in fantasy totally legitimate we can be frustrated by that in reality not will fuller's fault um will fuller remains a very intriguing uh asset if he lands on the right team and i think uh you know the ravens and i've thought the packers and for a while i thought the texans uh, might be very, very intriguing. Even the Browns reuniting with Deshaun Watson, whenever Watson retakes the field, could be intriguing. But right now, I think the Ravens need somebody else. And in the meantime, Rashad Bateman uh, will, obviously his value spikes as a result of this Brown trade. Bateman is now uh, on the top 20 radar for receivers. If he takes that year to leap, he could crack the top 20. It really depends on who else the Ravens have starting Aside from Mark Andrews in the receiving area, we know Mark Andrews will be a major asset once again at the tight end position. Uh, but the fact is the Ravens need a reliable wideout. I think Bateman will be a better version of Brown. Meanwhile, in Arizona, I don't think Brown 
is going to exceed what we've seen in Baltimore uh, while playing with Arizona. We should see a better version of Kyler Murray this season. Um, after, I think, week two last year, he really fell off. Um, that team fell off after their undefeated start. I think they were 7-0 and or 8-0. And that uh, uh, strange play where uh, Kyler Murray found A.J. Green in the end zone. A.J. Green did not turn around. They lost the game as a result. They Their undefeated season ended, and they were never the same after that. Um, this is going to be a different team with a healthy Kyler Murray, a presumably healthy DeAndre Hopkins, and Rondell Moore uh, ascending, potentially. And that is why Marquise Brown is not, uh, in my book, a reliable number two. We do not know how good Rondell Moore could be in this offense. And the question for me becomes, is Brown going to be a hit or miss fantasy asset in Arizona, especially Zach Ertz, um, James Conner, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> serving as the bell cow. I have my significant doubts about James Conner being able to carry the load for even 13 games next season. That's a separate uh, podcast, but uh, I'm a little bit concerned about Brown. I think it's a, uh, a neutral in terms of where uh, the move, but if his value goes up, uh, improves as a result of this trade, be very wary. It should not go up. It should not improve. Uh, Brown's value, if anything, is stable um, to a little bit lower uh, playing in a more crowded uh, receiving core, assuming Rondell Moore steps up and assuming DeAndre Hopkins uh, goes back to being the DeAndre Hopkins, maybe not the elite DeAndre Hopkins that we used to know and love, but surely a top 14 uh, uh, receiver. I think that's very doable if Hopkins is healthy. Uh, I think what we saw last year uh, with a crowded Christian Kirk, AJ Green for a while, um, Ertz coming in, uh, and uh, it it basically, and Kyler Murray not playing at the top of his level, I don't think we really saw truly what Hopkins le has left in the tank, and I don't think Marquise Brown takes that from Hopkins in any way, shape, or form. The other trade, AJ Brown, huge. Uh, Let's start with Tennessee. Robert Woods, I think, is the big winner. Uh, you could argue that uh, Rashad Bateman's the big winner, but I like uh, Robert Woods in Tennessee's offense more than I like Rashad Bateman uh, in Baltimore's offense right now uh, because I think Tennessee is pretty much set at receiver and uh, they don't have much. Um, Robert Woods should be the clear-cut number one. I think he has five straight seasons with at least 64% catch rate. I don't think there's another receiver uh, of this generation who has done that for five straight seasons. Uh, Woods uh, was a fairly reliable top 20 fantasy receiver, even playing with Cooper Cup and for a while Brandon Cooks while with the Rams. Obviously, Ryan Tannehill is a step down uh, from Matthew Stafford. But let's be very clear. If you have a chance to get a team's number one receiver, uh, even at 30 years old, there's not a lot of 30-something-year-old starting wideouts in the NFL. Most of the great ones at this point are in their 20s. Almost all the great ones are in their 20s. Although there are a lot of 29-year-olds who are about to be 30. Robert Woods is the oldest of that group, I think. Maybe there might be one other 30-plus-year-old who's starting as a top two receiver right now in the NFL, but there's not a lot. And Woods is this very intriguing if he gets back on track to where he was before his injury last year. Um, you could easily see another 90, 1100, six season, 90 catches, 1100 yards, six touchdowns easily in that offense. 
this is a very top-heavy heavy Tennessee offense. He is leaving a very crowded Rams offense, even before Odell Beckham Jr. came to the team. I think Woods is the big winner of last night's NFL draft when it comes to a fantasy perspective on existing players, non-rookies. So I will talk more about Robert Woods as we get into the summer. I think he's going to be undervalued wherever his ADP is. I think uh, he's a fascinating, fascinating fantasy chip. Uh, finally, A.J. Brown. So much of this depends on Jalen Hurts and how he develops. Uh, Jalen Hurts had the lowest uh, completion percentage of any top 22 fantasy quarterback. It was about 61 point, I think 3%. Um, last year of every quarterback who had at least 200 fantasy points last year, uh, there was no one with a worse completion percentage. It was about five points off the average of those other 21 quarterbacks. And in fact, if Jalen Hurts completion percentage had been the average, then he, he uh, I'm just saying it, it would have been, I think, 22 extra completions that he would have had, where if you take into account Devontae Smith, his number one wideout, that could be another 100 yards, that could be another touchdown. The fact is, there were points left on the table. And I want to take a step back with Devontae Smith, because Devontae Smith is a big part of this A.J. Brown equation. What do you get when you get an underutilized rookie receiver who's clearly the number one, Playing with a quarterback who is not a top-flight passing quarterback, Jalen Hurts gets his points mostly on the ground. He is an adequate passer, uh, but perhaps uh, not the kind of passer who has a long-term um, potential in the NFL. We don't know yet. He's going into year three. He needs to develop as a passer if he wants to get to that next level, if he wants to be a franchise quarterback, especially in today's NFL. And now they've got not just Devontae Smith, they have A.J. Brown. And for some perspective, last year, Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase, their ADPs were almost identical. A lot of experts and a lot of managers <laughs> had a lot of trouble knowing who was going to be more valuable. Was it Devontae Smith, who had a clearer track to the number one receiver role, or was it Jamar Chase with the better quarterback? Um, <laughs> we know what happened. We know that Jamar Chase was able to leapfrog a top 16 receiver in T. Higgins and be elite because he had a great quarterback and a great system. Uh, Devontae Smith wilted through no fault of his own because he had a subpar uh, passer throwing to him uh, in an offense that favored the run, uh, especially in the second half of the season. And uh, that's a bad combo. And now you're throwing A.J. Brown into the mix, and the question becomes... How do you support Brown and Smith unless Jalen Hurts moves into that top 12 passer ability role? Can Jalen Hurts take his game to the next level? I, I referenced that with Marquise Brown. Could he take his game to the next level? I don't think he can in Arizona. With Jalen Hurts, who knows? I don't think anybody knows if Jalen Hurts can be the kind of passer that a lot of people want to see him become in the NFL. But right now, he is a subpar passer. And when you combine a subpar passer with two receivers who, in a perfect world, would be incredible, incredible number ones on their respective teams, if you take out Robert Woods in Tennessee and you take out A.J. Brown and you put in Devontae Smith, I guarantee you Devontae Smith has a much better season in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill than he had 
last year in Philadelphia. I can't guarantee it, but you know what I'm going. So now the question is, how do you support A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith in a subpar passing offense? The answer is you can't unless Hertz gets better. And that is the huge question mark. That is why A.J. Brown potentially is a pretty big loser in this trade. Devontae Smith might be the biggest loser of all because he should have taken a step forward and A.J. Brown is going to uh, stifle that. So to recap, we've got a lot of movement there's not a lot of hard answers. We have four months left before most people are drafting in redraft leagues. A little more than four months before the start of the season. There's still some moving parts, but things are starting to clear up. And the Eagles are going to be this fascinating team where we try to figure out, and we haven't even talked about Dallas Gutter. You got three, three primary pass catchers in an offense where Jalen Hurts is the quarterback. If Jalen Hurts can figure things out, he could be a top three, top four fantasy quarterback. If he just does what he does on the ground and adds that element of uh, that passing game element that is clearly missing in his game at the moment, but surely is, he can find it. He's a talented, talented quarterback. All like When it comes right down to it, he just needs to become a better passer. If he can reach that point, then yes, Everything should go smoothly, and Hertz is the big winner. But more likely than not, that's not going to happen to the point where A.J. Brown probably will not be a top 12 or top 14 fantasy wideout. I'd be shocked if he were. And Devontae Smith is a very risky top 28 wideout at the moment. And that's the concern that I have going into today. On a day when I believe Robert Woods is the uh, unsung hero <laughs> Uh, of of the uh, of last night's opening round of the draft, and I just want to close it with that. If you remember nothing else from this podcast, and think about nothing else over the next few months, think about what it means to be a number one wideout on a team that desperately needs offense. We saw it in Houston last year with Brandon Cooks. Most years there is a Brandon Cooks out there. Uh, most years, there is a guy who is severely undervalued, but because he's the number one, he's going to get the majority or the plurality of the targets. That's what you want to look for in an undervalued fantasy receiver. Again, I'm BJ Rudell, Pro Football Network. Find us at profootballnetwork.com. Have a great evening, a great weekend, and we'll see you on Monday.